0: Section Four of the Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith, Chapter Two, and this is the story of Bhanavar the Beautiful, Part Two. Ruark stooped to her and said, "Tell me thy name." She answered, "Bhanavar is my name with that people." and he whispered surely when they speak of thee they say not bhanavar solely but bhanavar the beautiful she started and sought the eye of the chief and it was fixed on her face in a softened light as if his soul had said that thing then she sighed and exclaimed unhappy other beautiful born to misery allah dress them in his grace and favour for their certain wretchedness lo their countenances are as the sun their existence as the desert barren are they in fruits and waters a snare to themselves and to others now the chief leaned to her yet nearer saying show me the jewel bonavar caught up her hands and clenched them and she cried bitterly tis known to thee she told thee and there be none that know it not arising she thrust her hand into her bosom and held forth the jewel in the palm of her white hand when Ruark beheld the marvel of the jewel and the redness moving in it as of a panting heart and the flashing eye of fire that it was in all its glory he cried it was indeed a jewel for queens to covet from the serpent and a prize the noblest might risk all to win as a gift for thee then she said thy voice is friendly with me o ruark and thou scornest not the creature that i am counsel me as to my dealing with the jewel surely the eyes of the chief met the eyes of bonifar as when the brightest stars of midnight are doubled in a clear dark lake and he sang in measured music shall i counsel the moon in her ascending Stay under that tall palm-tree through the night, rest on the mountain slope by the couching antelope, O thou enthroned supremacy of light, and for ever the lustre thou art lending, lean on the fair long brook that leaps and leaps, silvery leaps and falls, hang by the mountain walls, moon, and arise no more to crown the steeps for a danger and dollar is thy wending and O Bonavar, bhanavar the beautiful, shall I counsel thee, moon of loveliness bright full perfect moon counsel thee not to ascend and be seen and worshipped of men sitting above them in majesty thou that art thyself the jewel beyond price Wah, what if thou cast it from thee thy beauty remaineth and bhanavar smote her palms in the moonlight and exclaimed how then shall i escape this in me which is a curse to them that approach me and he replied long we the less for the pearl of the sea because in its depths there's the death we flee long we the less the less woes me because thou art deathly the less for thee she sang aloud among the rocks and the caves and the illumined waters destiny destiny why am i so dark i that have beauty and love to be fair destiny destiny am i but a spark tracked under heaven in flames and despair destiny destiny why am i desired thus like a poisonous fruit deadly sweet destiny destiny lo my soul is tired Make me thy plaything no more, I entreat. Ruach laughed low, and said, What is this dread of Rukruth, my mother, which weigheth on thee but silliness? For she saw thee willing to do well by her, and thou with thy jewel, O Bhanavar, do thou but well by thyself, and there will be no woman such as thou in power and excellence of endowments, as there is nowhere one such as thou in beauty. Then he sighed to her, Dare I look up to thee, O my queen of serpents? And he breathed as one that is losing breath, and the words came from him, "My soul is thine." When she heard him say this, great trouble was on the damsel, for his voice was not the voice of zervan her betrothed, and she remembered the sorrow of Rukruth. She would have fled from him, but a dread of the displeasure of the chief restrained her, knowing Ruark a soul of wrath. Her eyelids dropped, and the chief gazed on her eagerly, and sang in a passion of praises of her. the fires of his love had a tongue. His speech was a torrent of flame at the feet of the damsel, and Bhanavar exclaimed, "'Oh, what am I, what am I, who have slain my love, my lover, that one should love me and call on me for love? My life is a long weeping for him. Death is my wooer.' Ruark still pleaded with her, and she said in fair gentleness, "'Speak not of it now in the freshness of my grief. Other times and seasons are there. My soul is but newly widowed.' Fierce was the eye of the chief, and he sprang up crying, By the life of my head I know thy wiles and the reading of these delays, but I'll never leave thee, nor lose sight of thee, Bhanavar, and think not to fly from me, thou subtle, brilliant serpent, for thy track is my track, and thy condition my condition, and thy fate my fate. By Allah, this is so. Then he strode from her swiftly, and called to his Arabs. They had kindled a fire to roast the flesh of a buffalo, slaughtered by them from among a herd, and were laughing and singing beside the flames of the fire. So by the direction of the chief the Arabs brought slices of sweet buffalo flesh to Bhanavar with cakes of grain, and Bhanavar ate alone and drank from the waters before her. Then they laid for her a couch within the cave, and the aching of her spirit was lulled, and she slept there a dreamless sleep till morning. By the morning light Bhanavar looked abroad for the chief, and he was nowhere by. A pang of violent hope struck through her, and she pressed her bosom, praying he might have left her and climbed the clefts and ledges of the mountain to search over the fair expanse of pasture beyond, for a trace of him departing. The sun was on the heads of the heavy flowers, and a flood of gold down the gorges, and a delicate rose hue on the distant peaks and upper dells of snow, which were as a crown to the scene she surveyed, but no sight of Ruark had she, and now she was beginning to rejoice, but on a sudden her eye caught far to east a glimpse of something in motion across an even slope of the lower hills, leaning to the valley and it was a herd that rushed forward, like a black torrent of the mountains flinging foam this way and that, and after the herd and at the sides of the herd she distinguished the white cloaks and scarfs and glittering steel of the Arabs of Ruark. Presently she saw a horseman break from the rest, and race in a line toward her. She knew this one for Ruark, and sighed and descended slowly to meet him. The greetings of the chief were sharp, his manner wild, and he said little ere he said, "'I will see thee under the light of the jewel,' so tie it in a band and set it on thy brow bonnivar her mouth was open to intercede with his desire but his forehead became black as night and he shouted in the thunder of his lion voice do this she took the jewel from its warm bed in her bosom and held it and got together a band of green weeds and set it in the middle of the band and tied the band on her brow and lifted her countenance to the chief ruark stood back from her and gazed on her and he would have veiled his sight from her, but his hand fell. Then the might of her loveliness seized bhanavar likewise, and the full orbs of her eyes glowed on the chief as on a mirror, and she moved her serpent figure scornfully, and smiled, saying, Is it well? And he, when he could speak, replied, Tis well, I have seen thee, for now can I die this day, if it be that I am to die. And well it is, for now know I, there is truly no place but the tomb can hold me from thee. Bhanavar put the jewel from her brow into her bosom, and questioned him. "'Why is thy dread this day, O my chief?' He answered her gravely. "'I have seen Rukruth, my mother, while I slept, and she was weeping, weeping by a stream, yea, a stream of blood, and it was a stream that flowed in a hundred gushes from her own veins. The sun of this dawn now, seest thou not? Tis over crimson, the vulture hangeth low down yonder valley.' And he cried to her haste mount with me for i have told ruckruth a thing and i know that woman crafty in the thwarting of schemes such a fox is she where aught accordeth not with her forecastings and the judgment of her love for me by allah twere well we clash not for that i will do i do and that she will do doth she so the twain mounted their steeds and ruach gathered his arabs and placed them some in advance some on either side of bhanavar and they rode forward to the head of the valley and across the meadows through the blushing crowds of flowers baths of fresh scents, cool breezes that awoke in the nostrils of the mares neighing of delight and these pranced and curvetted and swung their tails and gave expression to their joy in many graceful fashions but a gloom was on ruark and a quick fire in his falcon eye and he rode with heels alert on the flanks of his mare dashing onward to right and left as do they that beat the jungle for the crouching tiger once when he was well nigh half a league in front He wheeled his mare and raced back, full on Bonavar, grasping her bridle and hissing between his teeth, "'Not a soul shall have thee, save I, by the tomb of my fathers, "'never while life is with us.' And he taunted her with bitter names, and was as one in the madness of intoxication, drunken with the aspect of her matchless beauty, and with exceeding love for her. And Bonavar knew that the dread of a mishap was on the mind of the chief. Now the space of pasture was, behind them, a broad lake of gold and jasper, and they entered region of hills heights and fastnesses robed in forests that rose in rounded swells of leafage each over each above all points of snow that were as flickering silver flames in the farthest blue this was the country of bhanavar and she gazed mournfully on the glades of golden green and the glens of iron blackness and the wild flowers wild blossoms and weeds well known to her that would not let her memory rest and were wistful of what had been and she thought my sisters tend the flocks, my mother spinneth with the maidens of the tribe, my father hunteth. How shall I come among them but strange? Coldly will they regard me. I shall feel them shudder when they take me to their bosoms. She looked on Ruark to speak with him, but the mouth of the chief was set in white, and even while she looked, cries of treason and battle arose from the Arabs that were ahead, hidden by a branching wind of the way round a mountain slant. Then the eyes of the chief reddened, his nostrils grew wide, and the darkness of his face was as flame mixed with smoke. And he seized Bhanavar, and hastened onward, and lo, yonder were his men overmatched, and the warriors of the mountains bursting on them from an ambush on all sides. Ruark leapt in his seat, and the light of combat was on him, and he dug his knees into his mare, and shouted the war-cry of his tribe, lifting his hands, as it were, to draw down wrath from the very heavens, and rushed to the encounter. Says the poet, Hast thou seen the wild herd by the jungle galloping close? With a thunder of hooves they trample what heads may oppose, terribly crushing. Tempest-like onward they sweep, but a spring from the reeds and the panther is sprawling in air, and with muscles to dust and black beards foam lashed, here and there, scattered they fly, crimson-eyed, tracked with blood to the deep. Such was the onset of Ruark, his stroke the stroke of death, and ere the echoes had ceased rolling from that cry of his, the mountain warriors were scattered before him on the narrow way, HURLED DOWN THE SCRUB OF THE MOUNTAIN, EVEN AS DEAD LEAVES AND LOOSENED STONES, SO LIKE AN ARM OF LIGHTNING WAS THE CHIEF. NOW Ruark PURSUED THEM, AND WAS LOST TO BONAVAR ROUND A slope OF THE MOUNTAIN. SHE QUICKENED HER PACE TO MARK HIM IN THE GLORY OF BATTLE, AND BEHOLD, A SUDDEN DARKNESS ENVELOPED HER, AND SHE FELT HERSELF IN THE SWATH OF TIGHTENED FOLDS, CLASPED IN AN ARM, AND borne RAPIDLY SHE KNEW NOT WHITHER, FOR SHE COULD HEAR AND SEE NOTHING. IT WAS TO HER, AS WERE SHE SPEEDING CONSTANTLY DOWNWARD IN DARKNESS, to the lower realms of the genii of the caucasus and every sense and even that of fear was stunned in her how long an interval had elapsed she knew not when the folds were unwound but it was light of day in the faces of men and they were warriors that were about her warriors of the mountain but of Ruark and his arabs no voice so she said to them what do ye with me and one among them that was a youth of dignity and grace and a countenance like morning on the mountains answered the will of ruckruth o lady and it is the plight of him we bow to with ruckruth mother of the desert chief she cried is he here the prince that i may speak with him the same young warrior made answer not so forewarned was he and well for him Boniva drew her robe about her and was mute ere the setting of the moon they journeyed on with her and continued so three days and nights through the defiles and ravines and matted growths of the mountain on the fourth dawn they were on the summit of a lofty mountain-rise, below them the sun, shooting a current of gold across the leagues of sea. Then he that had spoken with Bhanavar said, A sail shall come, and a sail came from under the sun. Scarce had the ship grated shore, when the warriors lifted Bhanavar, and waded through the water with her, and placed her unwedded in the ship, and one, the fair youth among the warriors, sprang on board with her, remaining by her. So the captain pushed off, and the wind filled the sails, and Bonavar was borne over the luster of the sea, that was as a changing opal in its luster, even as a melted jewel flowing from the fingers of the Maker, the Almighty One. The ships ceased not sailing till they came to a narrow strait, where the sea was but a river between fair sloping hills, alight with towers and palaces, opening away to a great city, that was in its radiance over the waters of the sea as the aspect of myriad sheeny white doves breasting the wave hitherto the young warrior had held aloof in coldness of courtesy from Bhanavar, but now he sat by her and said the bond between my prince and ruckruth is accomplished and it was to snatch thee from the chief of the Beni assar and bring thee even to this city Bhanavar exclaimed allah be praised in all things and his will be done the youth continued thou art alone here old lady exposed to the perils of loneliness Surely it were well if I linger with thee awhile, and see to thy welfare in this city, even as a brother with a sister, and I will deal honourably by thee. Bonavar looked on the young warrior, and blushed at his exceeding sweetness with her. The soft freshness of his voice was to her as the blossom-laden breeze in the valleys of the mountains, and she breathed low the words of her gratitude, saying, If I am not a burden, let this be so. Then said he, "'Know me by my name, which is Almoril, and that we seem indeed of one kin, make known unto me thine.' She replied, "'Ill-omened is it, this name of Bonavar?' The youth among the warriors gazed on her a moment with the fluttering eye of bashfulness, and said, "'Can they that have marked thee call thee other than Bonavar the Beautiful?' She remembered that Ruark had spoken in like manner, and the curse of her beauty smote her, and she thought—' THIS FAIR YOUTH, HE HATH NOT A MOTHER TO WATCH OVER HIM, AND WARD OFF SOULS OF EVIL. I DREAD THERE WILL COME A MISHAP TO HIM THROUGH ME. ALLAH SHIELD HIM FROM IT, AND SHE SOUGHT TO dissuade HIM FROM RESTING BY HER. BUT HE CRIED, TIS BUT A CHOICE TO DWELL WITH THEE, OR WITH THE DOGS IN THE STREET OUTSIDE THY DOOR. O oh, BONIVAR! NOW THE SHIP SAILED CLOSE UP TO THE QUAY, AND CAST ANCHOR THERE IN THE MISTS OF OTHER SHIPS OF MERCHANDISE. ALMAROL THEN THREW A ROBE OVER HIS MOUNTAIN DRESS, AND SPOKE WITH THE CAPTAIN APART and he and bhanavar took leave of the captain and landed on the quay among the porters and of these one stepped forward to them and shouted cheerily where be the burdens and the bales o ye fair couple fashioned in the eye of elegant proportions ye twin palm-trees male and female wallahi broad is the back of your servant almiral beckoned him that he should follow them and he followed them blessing the wind that had brought them to the city and the day so they passed through the streets and lanes of the city and the porter pointed out this house and that house wanting an occupant an Almeryl fixed on one in an open thoroughfare that had before it a grass plot and behind a garden with fountains and flowers and grass knolls shaded by trees and he paid down the half of its price and had it furnished before nightfall sumptuously and women in it to wait on bhanavar and stuffs and goods and scents for the bath all luxuries whatsoever that tradesmen and merchants there could give in exchange for gold. Then Almiral dismissed the porter in Allah's name, and gladdened his spirit with a gift over the due of his hire that exalted him in the eyes of the porter, and the porter went from him exclaiming, In extremity, Uklik is thy slave, and he sang, Shouldst thou see a slim youth with a damsel arriving, be sure 'tis the hour when thy fortune is thriving, a generous fee makes the members so supple, that over the world they could carry this couple. Now so it was that the youth Almeral and the damsel Bonavar, abode in the city they had come to weeks and months, and life to either of them, as the flowing of a gentle stream, even as brother and sister lived they, chastely, and with temperate feasting. Surely the youth loved her with a great love, and the heart of Bonavar turned not from him, and was won utterly by his gentleness and nobleness and devotion, and they relied on each other's presence for any joy, and were desolate in absence, as the poet says. WHEN WE MUST PART LOVE, SUCH IS MY SMART LOVE, SWEETNESS IS savourless, FAIRNESS IS favourless, BUT WHEN IN SIGHT LOVE, WE two UNITE LOVE, EARTH HAS NO SOUR TO ME, LIFE IS A FLOWER TO ME, AND WITH THE INCREASE OF EVERY DAY THEIR PASSION INCREASED, AND THE REVEALING LIGHT IN THEIR EYES BRIGHTENED, AND WAS HUMID, AS IS SUNG BY HIM THAT looted TO THE RAGE OF HEARTS, Even STAR YONDER, COME LIKE A CROWN ON US, LARGER AND FONDER, grows its orb down on us, so love, my love, for thee, blossoms increasingly, so sinks it in the sea, waxing unceasingly. On a night when the singing girls had left them, the youth could contain himself no more, and caught the two hands of Bonavar in his, saying, This that is in my soul for thee thou knowest, O Bonavar, and tis spoken when I move and when I breathe, O my loved one, tell me then the cause of thy shunning me whenever I would speak of it, and be plain with thee. For a moment Bhanavar sought to release herself from his hold, but the love in his eyes entangled her soul as in a net, and she sank forward to him and sighed under his chin, "'Twas indeed my very love of thee that made me." The twain embraced and kissed a long kiss, and leaned sideways together, and Bhanavar said, "'Hear me, what I am.' Then she related the story of the serpent and the jewel, and of the death of her betrothed. When it was ended, Almerell cried, "'And was this all, this that severed us?' and he said, hear what I am. So he told Bonavar how Rukruth, the mother of Ruark, had sent messengers to the prince his father, warning him of the passage of Ruark through the mountains, with one, a queen of serpents, a sorceress, that had bewitched him and enthralled him in a mighty love for her, to the ruin of Ruark, and how the chief was on his way with her to demand her in marriage at the hands of her parents, and the words of Rukruth were, by the service that was between thee and my husband and by the death he died o prince rescue the chief my son from this damsel and entrap her from him and have her sent even to the city of the inland sea for no less a distance than that keepeth ruach from her And admiral continued i questioned the messengers myself and they told me the marvel of thy loveliness and the peril to him that looked on it so i swore there was no power should keep me from a sight of thee O my loved one, my prize, my life, my sleek antelope of the hills, surely when my father appointed the warriors to lie in wait for thy coming, I slipped among them, so that they thought it ordered by him I should head them. The rest is known to thee, O my fountain of blissfulness, but the treachery to Ruark was the treachery of Eben Azrak, not of such warriors as we, and I would have fallen on Eben Azrak had not Ruark so rooted that man without faith, t'was all as I have said, Blessed be Allah and his decrees. Bonavar gazed on her beloved, and the bridal dew overflowed her underlids, and she loosed her hair to let it flow, part over her shoulders, part over his, and in sighs that were the measure of music she sang, I thought not to love again, but now I love as I loved not before. I love not, I adore. O my beloved, kiss, kiss me, waste thy kisses like a rain. Are not thy red lips fain? O, oh, and so softly they greet, am i not sweet sweet must i be for thee or sweet in vain sweet to thee only my dear love the lamps and censers sink but cannot cheat these eyes of thine that shoot above trembling lustres of the dove a darkness drowns all lustres still i see thee my love thee thee my glory of gold from head to feet oh how the lids of the world close quite when our lips meet Almeryl strained her to him and responded my life was midnight on the mountain side cold stars were on the heights there in my darkness i had lived and died content with nameless lights sudden i saw the heavens flush with a beam and i ascended soon and evermore over mankind supreme stood silver in the moon and he fell playfully into a new metre singing who will i paint my beloved in musical word or colour earth with an envy is moved seashells and roses she brings gems from the green ocean springs fruits with the fairy bloom dews feathers of paradise hues waters with jewel-bright falls or from the genii halls all in their splendour approved all but matched with my beloved darker and denser and duller then she kissed him for that song and sang once to be beautiful was my pride and i blushed in love with my own bright brow once when a wooer was by my side i worshipped the object that had his vow different 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 now different now is my beauty to me different 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 now for I prize it alone because prized by thee. Almeral stretched his arm to the lattice and drew it open, letting in the soft night wind, and the sound of the fountain, and the bulbul, and the beam of the stars, and verse to her and the languor of deep love. Whether we die or we live, matters it now no more. Life has not further to give. Love is its crown and its core. Come to us either we're rife, death or life. Death can take not away darkness and light are the same we are beyond the pale ray wrapped in a rosier flame welcome which will to our breath life or death so did these two lovers lute and sing in the stillness of the night pouring into each other's ears melodies from the new sea of fancy and feeling that flowed through them ere they ceased their sweet interchange of tenderness which was but one speech from one soul a glow of light ran up to the sky and the edge of a cloud was fired and in the blooming of dawn Almeryl hung over bhanavar and his heart ached to see the freshness of her wondrous loveliness and he sang looking on her the rose is living in her cheeks the lily in her rounded chin she speaks but when her whole soul speaks and then the two flow out and in and mix their red and white to make the hue for which i'd paradise forsake her brow from her black falling hair ascends like morn her nose as clear as morning hills and finely fair with pearly nostrils curving near, the red bow of her upper lip, her bosom's the white wave beneath the ship, the fearful earth, the enraptured skies, she images in constant play, night and the stars are in her eyes, but her sweet face is beaming day, a bounteous interblush of flowers, a dewy brilliance in a dale of bowers. Then he said, And this morning shall our contract of marriage be written, and witnessed. She answered, As my lord willeth, I am his, said he, And it is thy desire? She nestled to him, and dinted his bare arm with the pearls of her mouth, for a reply. So that morning their contract of marriage was written, and witnessed by the legal number of witnesses in the presence of the cat-eye, with his license on it endorsed, and Bonavar was the bride of Almiral, he, her husband, never was youth blessed in a bride like that youth. Now the twain lived together the circle of a full year of delightful marriage, and love lessened not in them, but was as the love of their first day. Little cared they having each other for the loneliness of their dwelling in that city, where they knew none save the porter Akleet, who went about their commissions. Sometimes to amuse themselves with his drolleries, they sent for him, and were bountiful with him, and made him drink with them on the lawn of their garden, leaning to an inlet of the sea. And then he would entertain them with all the scandal and gossip of the city, and its little folk, and great. When he was outrageously extravagant in these stories of his, Bonavar exclaimed, are such things now can it be true and he nodded in his conceit and replied loftily tis certain o my prince and princess ye be from the mountains unused to the follies and dissipations of men where they heard and ye know them not men the lamps being lit in the garden to the edges of the water where they lay one evening a who had been in his briskest mood became grave and put his forefinger to the side of his nose and began hear ye aught of the great tidings "'Will he? No other than the departure of the wife of Bulp, the broker, into darkness. "'Tis of Bulp ye hire this house, and had ye a hundred houses in this city, "'you might have had them from Bulp the broker. He's that rich. "'And glory to them whom Allah prospereth, say I. "'And I mention this matter, for tis certain now, Bulp will take another wife to him to comfort him. "'For there be two things beloved of Bulp and therein manifesteth he taste with the discernment of excellence in what is approved and of these two things let the love of his hordes of the yellow-skinned treasure go first and after that attachment to the silver-skinned of creation the fair the rapturous even to them so by this see ye not bulp will yearn in his soul for another spouse now o ye well-matched pair what a chance were this knew ye but a damsel of the mountains exquisite in symmetry a moon to enrapture the imagination of bulp and in the nature of things herit his possessions for bulp is an old man even very old they laughed and cried we know not of such a damsel and the broker must go unmarried for us when next uckleet sat before them almoral took occasion to speak of bulp again and said this broker o uckleet is he also a lender of money uckleet replied o my prince he is or he is not tis of the maybes i wot Truly Bulp is one that beateth the hook of an emergency. The brows of the prince were downcast, and he said no more. But on the following morning he left Bonavar early under a pretext, and sallied forth from the house of their abode alone. Since their union in that city they had not been once apart, and Bonavar grieved, and thought, Waneth his love for me? And she called her women to her, and dressed in this dress and that dress, and was satisfied with none. The dews of the bath stood cold upon her, and she trembled, and fled from mirror to mirror, and in each she was the same surpassing vision of loveliness. Then her women held a glass to her, and she examined herself closely. If there might be a fleck upon her anywhere, and all was as snow of the mountains on her round limbs, sloping in the curves of harmony, and the faint rose of the dawn on slants of snow was their hue. Twining her fingers and sighing, she thought, "'It is not that!' Ye cannot but think me beautiful. She smiled a melancholy smile at her image in the glass, exclaiming, "What availeth it thy beauty, for he is away and looketh not on thee, thou vain thing? And what of thy loveliness if the light illumine it not? For he is the light to thee, and it is darkness when he's away." Suddenly she thought, "What's that which needeth to light it? No other light. I had well nigh forgotten it in my bliss—the jewel." then she went to a case of ebony wood where she kept the jewel and drew it forth and shone in the beam of a pleasant imagination thinking twill surprise him and she robed herself in a robe of saffron and set lesser gems of the diamond and the emerald in the braid of her hair and knotted the serpent jewel firmly in a band of gold thread tissue and had it woven in her hair among the braids in this array she awaited his coming and pleased her mind with picturing his astonishment and the joy that would be his. Mute were the women who waited on her, for in their lives they had seen no such sight as Bhanavar, beneath the beams of the jewel, and the whole chamber was aglow with her. Now in her anxiety she sent them one and one repeatedly to look forth at the window for the coming of the prince. So when he came not, she went herself to look forth, and stretched her white neck beyond the casement. While her head was exposed, she heard a cry of someone from the house in the street opposite, and bhanavar beheld in the house of the broker an old wrinkled fellow that gesticulated to her in a frenzy she snatched her veil down and drew in her head in anger at him calling to her maids what is yonder hideous old dotard and they answered laughing tis indeed bulp the broker o fair mistress and mighty to divert herself she made them tell her of bulp and they told her a thousand anecdotes of the broker and verses of him and the constancy of his amorous condition and his greediness. And Bonnevar was beguiled of her impatience till it was evening, and the prince returned to her. So they embraced, and she greeted him as usual, waiting what he would say, searching his countenance for a token of wonderment. But the youth knew not that aught was added to her beauty, for he looked nowhere save in her eyes. Bonnevar was nigh weeping with vexation, and pushed him from her, and chid him with lack of love and weariness of her. And the eye of the prince rose to her brow to read it, and he saw the jewel. "'Almeril clapped his hands, crying, "'Wondrous! "'And this thy surprise for me, my fond one, beloved of mine?' "'Then he gazed on her a space and said, "'Knowest thou thou art terrible in thy beauty, "'Bhanavar, and hast the face of lightning under that jewel of the serpent?' "'She kissed him, whispering, "'Not lightning to thee, yet lovest thou, "'Bhanavar?' "'He replied, "'Surely so, and all save Bhanavar in this world is darkness of "'oblivion to me.' When it was the next morning, Almeryl rose to go forth again. Ere he had passed the curtain of the chamber, Bhanavar caught him by the arm, and she was trembling violently. Her visage was a wild inquiry. Thou goest, and again? There is something hidden from me. Almeryl took her to his heart and caressed her with fond flatteries, saying, Ask but what is beating under these two pomegranates, and thou learnest all of me. But she stamped her foot, crying, No, no, I will hear it. There is a mystery. So he said, Well, then, It is this only, small matter enough. I have a business with the captain of the vessel that brought us hither, and I must see him ere he setteth sail. No other than that, thou jealous, watchful star, pierce me with thine eyes. It is no other than that. She levelled her lids at him, till her lustrous black eyelashes were as arrows, and mimicked him softly. No other than that? And he replied, even so. Then she clung to him like a hungry creature, repeating, even so and let him go alone she summoned a slave a black and bade him fetch to her without delay ukleet the porter and the porter was presently ushered into her protesting service and devotion so she questioned him of Almeryl, and the prince's business abroad what he knew of it ukleet commenced reciting verses on the ills of jealousy but bhanavar checked him with an eye that ukleet had seen never before in woman or in man and he gaped at her helplessly as one that has swallowed a bone, she laughed, crying, "Learn, O thy fellow, to answer my like by the letter. Now, what she heard from Uckley when he had recovered his wits was that the prince had a business with none save the lenders of money, so she spake to Uckley in a kindly tone, "Thou art mine to serve me." He was as one fascinated and delivered himself, yea, O my mistress, with tongue service, toe service, back service, brain service, whatsoever pleaseth thy sweet presence." Said she, "Hi, over to the broker opposite, and bring him hither to me." Ukleet departed, saying, "To hear is to obey." End of part two of chapter two.